Computer, initialize Holosuite. Space, the final frontier. Let's see what's out there. There are a million things in this universe you can have, and there are a million things you can't have. It's no fun facing that, but that's the way things are. You can deny me all you want. But you cannot deny Ben Sisko exists. Dismissed. Let's start with expression four. Get out. I don't even know where to begin because I don't want to become like the guy with the exact same intro every time. I think that's cool though, isn't it? Yeah, but I never come up with a cool enough catchphrase to like start the show so, or quote. So let's just start the show with this discussion about how we should start the show. <laughs> This seems very informal. Informal. This is how we roll. Uh, welcome to, I guess, her first trek then. Uh, I am Kyle West. I'm joined by Katie West, my wife. Uh, Katie, we have two more Star Trek episodes to talk about this week. We will be talking about TNG's coming of age. Mm-hmm. And we'll also be talking about Voyager's penultimate episode of the season. Season one. So we're getting towards <laughs> the end I thought there. that was the name of the episode then. And I was like, it's called Penultimate Episode of the Season. That's a very, very on the nose mm. title. <laughs> yeah. Feels like something Lower Decks might hit us with every mm. now and then. We will be talking about just two episodes again this week, particularly whilst we've got Glass Shield going on, our Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. So we are busy, busy people. By the way, it's a new day, Katie. We're launching on Mondays now instead of Sundays. Oh. Yeah. So Sundays uh, suited us, but now we've changed it. Episode 20, I just thought it's time to spice things up. And also, it's time to actually have some time to spend with you all. And edit. And edit. And it means that Blast Shield will be delayed a day as well. So yeah, we will from now be releasing on Mondays until further notice. So maybe it'll change, maybe it won't. Who knows? It'll make your Monday a little bit brighter. Although yeah. I quite like Mondays. Mondays. Kids burger off to school. Happy days. Happy Wednesdays, day, Thursdays. Happy days. No, the show's happy days. It's not happy day. Yeah, but you don't say Mondays. Monday, Tuesday, happy yeah. days. Monday, I don't know. Thursday, I say that days. like I've watched it. I have not watched it. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, it's not like happy day and they're depressed the rest of the week. That's all I know. That's where Jump the Shark comes from. What's Jump the Shark? You know the moment of like when a show jumps the shark? That was the moment the show became ridiculous. No. It's a reference to happy days when, I believe it was the Fonz on a possibly on a bike, I don't know if it's a motorbike or whatnot, goes down a ramp over like a pool thing that has a shark in it or something and just like jumps over the shark. Oh. And it's like ridiculous. It's something like that. It's a bit more detailed than that. That happened, I guess, before the Bond film where Pierce Brosnan was surfing on, windsurfing on part of a car because I feel like that should be a thing. Well, that would have been, well, we hadn't, if the Fonz hadn't jumped the shark, it probably would have been like, it was as ridiculous as that. Yeah, you know, have you, has it windsurfed on that giant wave yet? In front of a big... Ice palace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just for the record, Dine of the Day for the first half is one of the best James Bond films. Yeah, and also the soundtrack, Madonna Girl, that's yeah, a hit. Um, second half of Dine of the Day is one of the worst James Bond films. Though. Just the graphics. Just the graphics. Idea. The sheer ridiculousness of it. And given... don't get me wrong, I love Pierce. Great guy. So before we get into the episodes of Star Trek this week, we had a nice little day. Well, night a couple of days ago. We sure did. We went to Signor Valentino's. 
It was a bit Spanish sounding, but I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, I could. Well, it's because I, there was a debate for me whether or not we were going to an Italian or a Spanish restaurant. So I guess I've kind of <laughs> adopted just, a uh... slightly Spanish pronunciation of the very clearly Italian restaurant name. So uh, it was an Italian restaurant. We went there and we had dinner with Baz and Jeff from Beyond Farpoint, a Star Trek The Next Generation podcast. Uh, that's another podcast at Hollowsweet Media. And it's a really good podcast. One episode drops a month. Baz and Jeff had the partners with them as well. Gemma, who has been on Baz's a partner who's been on um, their show a few times and then Geraldine as well Jeff's partner so all six of us were there I had a really nice time big shout yeah. out to you guys yeah Hi. but we ended up going out after that you and I we did yeah we, I was bar. only thinking like maybe because you know we don't get away from our offspring very often no so I was like let's just go and enjoy an ounce of freedom in the dock which is the pointy pub in Cardiff if you ever go there yeah uh, so we went there and you, I danced you danced and drank wine I did. I had multiple men tell me to go dance with you. Yeah, what was that about? It was weird. They all just thought, I think they were all trying to show how supportive of women they are. And like, you know, yeah, go dance with the woman. She wants you there. And truthfully, I was never, ever going to get up (laughs) no matter how many of them came over to me. I know. I don't think I've seen... Have I seen you dance? Yeah. But, well, I, I can't really dance. And also, uh, I I was so tired at this point. It's unreal. So, uh, yeah. So, we had a great night anyway. Our first Sweet Media meetup. Your first time meeting up with Star Trek fans. Yeah. And I was super intimidated. Not by them, but before we went, I was like... Oh, they won't like me. Great people, anyway. We had a really nice night. And so, uh, please, uh, if you haven't already, please check out their podcast. It's not your typical Star Trek Next Generation podcast. It's not just episode reviews. They do all sorts of interesting discussions on there about, like, mental health in the 24th century. And uh, there's a... They've done one episode, which is about uh, Ronald D. Moore's um, just career as a writer. So, yeah, really worth uh, checking out. So, before we get into discussions this week, Katie, do you know where people can find us on social media? Yes. Instagram. Twitter, which I don't know how to use. Yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Where? What address? Oh, I don't know. And that's why I asked, because if you listen to this also don't know where to find us on social media, <laughs> like one of our two hosts here doesn't know, <laughs> you can find us at her first trek there we on go. Uh, all the typical social media platforms. I'm a very busy person right now, so the social media is not all that active. So busy that I keep yawning whenever I'm trying to speak. But yeah, please give us a follow and let us know what you think of the show. Also, you can let us know on Apple Podcasts what you think of the show by hitting five stars and leaving a review. I'd appreciate that. Me too. That would mean a lot to us. Normally, Katie, before we start talking about an episode, we drop in like a, up to 60 seconds or so uh, of a episode clip. Uh, this time, uh, it's going to be a bit longer. So please uh, keep listening, folks. This is a scene that I thought that I thought Ethan Phillips was superb in as Neelix. So it's a bit longer, this one. But we'll be right on the other end of it. So uh, we're back in a few. That's a sad story, Jatrell. But let me tell you another one. A man goes back to Rhinax after the Cascade. Back to what had been his home. To look for survivors. But the impact of the blast has set off hundreds of fires and there's nothing there. Just smoldering ruins. The stench of seared flesh. But in the distance, in the middle of all that emptiness, from out of this huge cloud of billowing dust. He can see bodies moving, whimpering, coming toward him. They're monsters. Their flesh horribly charred, 
the color of shale. One of them comes toward him. Mangled arms outstretched. And he can't help it. He, he turns away, frightened. But then the thing speaks. And he knows by the sound of her voice that she's not a monster at all, but a child. A little girl. Her name was Palaxia. We brought her back to Talax with the other survivors. Over the next few weeks, I stayed at her bedside and watched her wither away. Those are consequences, Dr. Jutrell. There is no way I can ever apologize to you, Mr. Neelix. That's why I have not tried. So, Voyager. Yeah, um, this episode, I've always my whole life called it Jetrel, but I think it's Jetrel. I thought you just said it was Jetrel. Jetrel, Jetrel. Jetrel. Well, I said the same same thing, innit? No. No? Jetrel. No, not Jetrel. You wouldn't say it like that. I don't know. Getrell. No, Jetrell. Jetrell. <laughs> I don't know. I, we're going with Jetrell. Cool. Or Gary, if it carries on. Jerry. Call him Jerry. Jerry. Let's call Jetrell Jerry for the sake of this. It's easier. <laughs> okay, we're going with Jerry. Better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us all about the episode, Jerry. Okay, well, Jez comes along. Oh, it's Jez. <laughs> Jez. We're on first name terms. And we find out a little bit more about what happened to Neelix in his life living mm. on this moon. Talaxian Allegedly moon. a soldier. Allegedly. I'm getting there. I know. I'm just trying to put it out there that this seems very unrealistic. Nothing yeah. about Neelix makes it look like he was running through battlefields. No. No. But he, his family and home get destroyed by some, like, thing. The enemy race that the Talaxians. Sorry. Yeah, what was the event, though? They were at war. My, so one of the moons. What do you call it? My... Some the name of the something explosion. cloud or something. So Jerry basically was part of the alien species. He came up with a weapon that was then used on this, I think it was on a moon, a Talaxian moon that yeah, populated everyone. and killed But Neelix wasn't people. there. No, he said he claimed to have been there for the survivors and everything. And Neelix, when he heard Jerry's name, was like filled with almost like PTSD, wasn't he? Like, yeah, and, and rage. he was enraged and he was angry. So he knew who it was. It turns out Jerry's come along because he's worried that by being exposed to the aftermath of this weapon, that Neelix will have some kind of blood disorder. Mm. And he says, once you get it, you won't die. It's too late for you. There's no cure. But he says the more people that he tests to see if they have it, he can create a cure. So he tests Neelix and da-da-da-da, he has it. Well, after much convincing, because Neelix wasn't going to yeah, he wasn't. do the test at first. But he did. And then he has it and he has this whole existential crisis. And then they are on about, like, taking some of the cloud. They go to the Talaxian moon and they take some of the cloud and they're going to use some of the particles to synthesize a cure. But, naughty, naughty Jerry. Oh, naughty, naughty Jerry. You cheeky son of a bitch. Wow. <laughs> takes, crap, that escalated. To take some of the cloud and he is not synthesizing the cure. Nay, nay. He is reformulating some particles to bring some of the dead people back to life because he says that the people 
who were living on the moon were not actually killed, but they were like dispersed into single yeah. molecules, this, which sounds super painful. This was grim. Yeah, they it, to me it was like they dissolved. Yeah, and then evaporated Floated into the into the, the clouds. cloud, and then he's gonna try and like draw them back together. But his first attempt, because he's in the big test tube, yeah, yeah, the container, and it just kind of looks like part of a tree trunk. Oh, I was with, thinking like space like, turd. Lumps grow. Oh, space turd. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of curly. Oh, God, all right. You know, okay. like a dog one. Oh, okay. you know? Or the emoji. With the, the little happy the face on emoji. it, you know? You know, poop. <laughs> Charles, poo emoji. So he creates this, like, poop person, and he's like, yeah, I can do this. And then they go to the transport room, and they're going to stop him. And then Janeway's like, no, you know what? Let's give this guy his due. He can probably do it. And then they try, and they fail. Yeah, it didn't work. It did get an actual... It looked like a physical taxium was... Forming, though. Yeah, but that person looked incredibly stressed, which you would be if you had been floating around in single molecules for the past, I don't even know how many years. Well, this is it. Are they dead or not? I don't know. If we're going to assume that they're dead, then that means when they were beaming them back, they were bringing them back from whatever is beyond. Now, this would then suggest that Janeway, given the episode a couple of weeks ago, Janeway really don't give no dams about the afterlife, if she did that. Mm. Or are we saying that they're actually technically kind of alive up there still, waiting to be glued back together? And you have to be very precise. How did he know that any bits that he had from the cloud were all one person? That could have been billions of people. Well, I don't in think there. it was the first time, was it? So you know that that weird poo emoji that you're talking about. That oh, was, was that like, like a, an amalgamation? I of swear it was kind of like he was just wanted to see if he could reform things first. And it was yeah, it was a mixture of everything. Well, that's pretty shitty. Don't mind the pun because what if you end up bringing someone back and like you, they're missing an arm or something? But Neelix actually is kind of impressed by this and, and says, you've got to try it. That poor guy is trying to right the wrongs that he did, I guess. But it, it's not right, I don't think. No, but if you, had, a moral the, point of if view. you had the ability to do it, would you do it? No. Really? Maybe. Particularly when you think that, yeah, he has guilt because he did create the weapon. And this is an interesting... He didn't choose to use it on them. No, the but you think did. of like the, you know, the, the atom bomb. It was created because it needed to be created, but caused so much destruction and harm. And you know, it, it gives people lasting legacies. And and Jatrell, Jerry, look at the way Neelix reacted when he heard his name mm. at the start. Like that's that is and his wife left Jatrell's, him. Yeah, that's his legacy. So this episode, uh, Jatrell dies at the end after Neelix has said, "I forgive you," because it's uh, Jatrell that's ill actually, and he dies as soon as he goes. It's like he goes to say something. To Neelix, but then he dies because suddenly he was forgiven. Mm. Something that even his wife couldn't do for him. They say that though, don't they? They say that sometimes when you're at peace, you can go peacefully into the night. It was quite sad. Mm. So you enjoyed this episode then? Yeah, I did. And actually it's done wonders for mine and Neelix's relationship because I couldn't bear him before. So Neelix may be joining your girl squad? I, I wouldn't go that far. Oh, Kess would be that one, wouldn't she? Who brings her boyfriend along. Yeah, she for would. For your girl squad meetings. Yeah. Kess would bring Neelix. She'd be like, like guys, oh, I'm no. only alive for nine years. I can't spend one minute without him. And I'd be like, desperate. But let's talk about that. This episode was the first one, I think, that really properly had Kess and Neelix discuss being in a relationship with each other. Yeah. Because we, we knew, we knew they were. I never saw it before. Yeah, and the chemistry's weird. I mean, I don't anyway. I don't see it. But when like he was talking about how he didn't know her age... Sorry, it wasn't that he didn't know her age, because her age is relevant. She's an adult as far as her companies are concerned. But he didn't know that she would only live for eight or nine years when he fell in love with her and that his life would carry on. He says in this, he accepted a long time ago that he would 
outlive her. And she talks about how she never really felt love, except for him. And at first I was a bit like, this is a bit weird because I don't buy their relationship. But then I was also kind of thinking, this kind of redeems Neelix a little bit. Because sometimes it does feel a bit weird that Neelix has got this young woman. She feels late teens to me, but like adult teens, like 18, 19 Mm -hmm. to me. Um, It still feels weird, though. There's something a bit icky about it. But the fact he didn't know that she would only live for... Yeah. Eight to nine years. Because Kess is two. I think if we say it's weird that they're together, that's us taking our whole thing of age onto it. She might only be two, but she only lives for eight or nine years. So theoretically, if you put it in our years, she's like 24, 25, really. Yeah, I guess. Do you know what I mean? It's still weird, though. I thought it was quite cool. I still don't like them as a couple. I think it's weird. But... No, the, them as a couple, I'm still not really getting it. But I do feel like I had no... Nothing for Neelix that made me feel, like, sorry for him or, like, connect with him at all. Because I was like, he's just annoying. And then they're like, oh, he can come on board as, like, a, an advisor. I'm like, he doesn't know anything. Chief morale officer. Whenever anyone asks him anything, he's like, I don't know. No, That's he doesn't know a lot. what you do. He didn't know about the Vidians. No. Which I still think is a... Even know. I know about the VD. <laughs> yeah. The, the Vidians were literally putting traps in where people would go and get their bodies harvested for parts. <sighs> And Neelix did not know anything about this very significant enemy, who apparently so have had this phase for 2,000 years, so it's not like they're new on the block. No. <laughs> it's not like they've just moved in. Yeah, they've been there for a while, and Neelix had no idea about them. Oh, God. And they're, yeah, they're like pretty much the worst people that we've come across. But you did, you've, like you said, you softened Neelix on this because he I became do. a sympathetic... And I felt bad for him because he hasn't, like a lot of people who have this like terrible backstory will use it all the time as a reason to be a complete cock. But Neelix is just a little bit annoying, but he doesn't, at least he doesn't bring that up. I love how um, rough time. loathsome he was of himself for talking about how he mm. didn't fight in the battle. He, he'd actually run away from fighting because, yeah. as he said, he didn't agree with the war. Um, so that, this happens even now. We, we, nowadays, there's protests and stuff, which I don't know if I agree necessarily with protesting when you've got your own soldiers putting their lives on the line. I think there's other ways to, to voice displeasure. But but it's interesting that Neelix, for all his hatred of uh, Jutrell, Jerry, it's interesting that he didn't even want the war, though. Mm. But as he said, it's punishable by death. So uh, him being a deserter, so to speak, during war. Mm. So I thought that added a lot to Neelix. Yeah. Made him, well, as he said, he's a coward. He's much more likeable. And he had some good scenes. Ethan Phillips did, did his best work in this episode. Mm. He had the scene with Jatel when he's talking about the kids with... Yeah, oh yeah, that off. was harrowing. Like, I just thought the way, the way he delivered that was fantastic. I thought Ethan Phillips was, was amazing. He had a really good scene with um, Janeway as well when she's trying to convince mm. him to hear Jatel out. I thought Ethan Phillips was really good in this episode. High and five. I enjoyed. High five. So Neelix is now part of the team. Not the girl squad, so to speak, but he, you like him. I'd have a baffy with him. Oh, no, not his beverages. Remember that coffee he made for January? No, no, I'll take him out for a drink. And it's just the one every now and then, because otherwise it just it would be too much. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I could, I could stomach like a, a, an acquaintance You'd be stuck with him. You'd friendship. be stuck with him. You let him, in, you let him get one foot and into the door. And you know what? I am that in. kind of person, aren't I? Yeah. I let someone in for like five minutes and they stay for four hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm just there like... All the rest of my life. I'm just, yeah. Oh, me? Wow. <laughs> Okay, that turned on me very quickly. Uh, so another another good episode for Voyager. And that was the penultimate episode of the season. Yeah. Wow, so we're coming up on the end. Uh, so next time we talk about Voyager, we'll be discussing Learning Curve, the season finale. Yes. I must admit, Wesley, you have a very fast mind. Once I realized it was a trick question, there was only one answer. 
Yes. There is only one ratio with matter-antimatter. One to one. You both don't know how lucky you are. I can't imagine what it would be like to have things come so easily. I have to push every step of the way. Oh, no, Oleana. It doesn't come that easily. I have to study all the time. It's a good thing you're cute, Wesley, or you could really be obnoxious. See you later. Did you hear what she said, Mordok? She said I was cute. Is that good, Wesley? Yes. I think. So let's talk about TNG's coming of age a Wesley episode where Wesley has to take a test with three other very smart people to see if they can go as a representative of that planet or something into the academy Mm. in the episode. Wesley ends up finishing a close second, doesn't get in, but learns some good skills along the way about helping. During that, for some random reason, a girl shows an interest in Wesley, but Wesley's only 15, she's older. She looks way older. I mean, she looks like a grown woman as well, yeah. And girl, get your shit together. Yeah, and Wesley looked much younger than all these ones. Mm. During this, Picard has been investigated, we think, for any kind of, I don't know, I guess like illegal activities as a Starfleet officer by some jerk-off, like, I think, Lieutenant Commander who thinks he's the boss of the ship. Turns out it's all just a ruse. It's because the Admiral who's with them wants to make Picard into an Admiral so that he can uh, become a teacher at the Academy. So Picard's ideal job being around children, albeit <laughs> older children, because this Admiral believes that something is, is wrong in Starfleet. And fishy going yeah, on. Yeah, something amiss. And he thinks Picard would be a strong ally. But Picard turns it down, thinks he'd be more use out in the field, so to speak. Whatever. He heard the job title and he was like, teacher of kids? No, I'm out. He definitely wanted nothing to do with that. Okay, so uh, this episode, it was all right. I mean, what, what did you think of this one? What did I say straight after it finished? You were like, what did you think? And you I was like... It, you were like, oh, it's interesting. Filler. All filler, no killer. Yeah. What about the whole thing of like only one of those four gets to go to the academy? That was stupid because... That makes no sense to me at all. No. What if they were individually four of the best yeah. students yeah. and then next year you have like four who are lower achieving? Surely it should just be like if you get above 95%, then You're you in. get to go or something. Yeah. And remember how many ships Starfleet have? If you go on by this okay. idea that from your member planets or whatever, you're only going to take one candidate each, uh, each year... You're not even going enough to man one starship. Also, I felt super bad for like the other two, the girl who was fancying Wesley and yeah. the Vulcan, because he was like, well done, blue fellow. Like, you got your place. Wesley, you did so well coming in close second. It was like, are you not going to congratulate the, the girls? girls? Come on. I thought that the whole thing with the girl where she thought everyone else was so smart meant that she was going to get in. No, no, it just meant that that she wasn't as clever as the as, guys. Yeah, she just wasn't as, as clever as them, no. I don't know why the Vulcan woman was really there. They must be smart within their own field. I mean, if you judge a fish's ability to climb a tree, you know that whole saying? No. Is that the saying, though? Something like that. I feel like it's smoother than that. I thought at first you were going to say you can't judge a fish by its cover, and I thought she's got all this <laughs> no, mixed up. No, you know how they say, like, there's a picture of, like, a tree and then a bunch of animals. There's yeah. a monkey and an elephant and a fish and something. And it's like, who can climb the tree? But that really has no bearing here. I don't no, know. I'm trying all... to find something about this episode that I can get deep into. But it, well, what about the, not very uh, the guy investigating Picard? We don't know at first that it's Picard. We have reason to think it's Riker that's been investigated until we do realise he's after Picard. Now, this guy, he makes references to previous episodes. That's always exciting to see some continuity in a 1980s show. But, I mean, he was a... Well, he was a... Jobsworth. He was a wanker, wasn't he? 
He's like, I'm in charge here, blah, blah, blah. Now, I get that he's leading an investigation and such, but at the same time, Picard outranks him, Riker outranks him. Right at the end, this guy's like, you know, when I finish with this tour of whatever I'm doing, I'd love to come serve on the Enterprise. I'd be like, well, I'm the captain here. You just spoke to me like I'm shit on your Starfleet issue boot. <laughs> and now you want to come and work for me. No, My thank you, mister. absolute favourite part of the episode was Picard's face when he said that. Because we've all done that face. You know, when someone's like, oh, well... Thank you. I've just treated you like shit. And now I'm going to... We should like, hang out sometime. And, yeah. Like, be really nice to you. And you're like... You don't even say anything. You just look at them like... Really? I don't think he even gave him eye contact, actually. No, I, don't think he, I don't think he did. I think he looked at the Admiral. And it was very clear there that Picard was not going to entertain this idea. <laughs> Imagine ever. having a guy that's that snotty on your ship. Did it make sense the Admiral was trying to, what, dig up dirt to see if Picard was legit or not? I think the whole thing is there's something going on and he wanted to make sure that it wasn't going on on the Enterprise. Mm. I mean, to me, if you're really that friendly with Picard, you probably know that he's not dodgy. Yeah, because they, were, they went back a long him. way, didn't they, they said. So, so uh, you know, at the end when Picard's like, ah, I understand, don't worry, no skin off my nose, let's be best buds. If that was me and my friend had been like, I'm going to put you through hell and investigate you, I'd be like, do you know me? Do you not know me at all? I'd be slapping him all the way back to the transporter room and then beaming him off, even if there's nowhere to beam him to. I'd hold him to the airlock. Wow. <laughs> be, I'm going Darcher on that. Well, at, least, at least I would like beam him into space. That's you, not better. You, you'd be on the transport. He doesn't know where he's going. He gets transported. Suddenly he rematerializes in space and he's like, but you can't make any noise or anything. Put him in the airlock ready to get him out. He's going to maybe pee his pants, be nervous, be scared. And you're just causing needless suffering. Exactly. I've watched a lot of Criminal Minds. I've thought these yeah, things I know, through. Right? He yeah. caused a lot of needless suffering, though. Go around the ship, ripping everything apart. Yeah, very disruptive to the ship. Especially when, like, there was something going on and Picard was trying to sort it out and then that guy was just standing there in the middle, like, hey, Picard, I'm trying to run an investigation. It's like, actually, we're under attack right now, so can yeah. you just not? And the, the funny thing with that is because, obviously, the ratio being 4-3, they need to get close on... <laughs> they have to have people closer to each other than they would, like, nowadays on TV. So this dude really was just... He was pretty much inside Picard when they were on the bridge at one point. And he's thinking, right, well, Picard's trying to stop this kid from killing himself accidentally. And meanwhile, you're inserting yourself inside him. Yeah, I thought that was a bit too much. And the guy's like, hey, how did he get access to a shuttle? Hey. And it's like, come on, like, let's just talk. Let's just sort it out first and we'll bloody talk about it later. Yeah, weird that he was saying to Picard on the bridge, like, this is your fault that this has happened. As captain, it's your job to fix this. It's like, he's the captain of the fucking flagship of Starfleet. I think Mr. Jean-Luc Picard knows he needs to not let the child kill themselves yeah. in a shuttle. And also, he's trying to sort it out, but you're fucking standing there. Yeah, like, yeah. move along. He's trying to come up with a strategy. He even, he even does come up with a strategy. It was a reminder to me that Picard was a helmsman previously, because I'd mm. kind of forgotten that. Yeah, this guy, he wound me up something rotten. Oh, yeah. I wanted to insert something of mine into him. Oh, Fist. Oh, God, no. Boot. There we go. My Starfleet issue boot (laughs) in his ass. I'd like to, like, you know when you get, like, a... Um, an eye patch and you ping it. I'd love to. Oh, I just onto his face. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, you are evil. What does Ransom say to Tendi on Lower Decks when she's like saying sorry to people she's attacked? And he's like, ooh, cold. <laughs> 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 Apologising to them while you're beating them up. <laughs> That's you. You're cold. You pull an eye patch on well, my face. Well, yeah. I would like want to wish like minor inconveniences on him for the rest of his life. Mm. Like, what can you think of that you would do to him for the rest of his life just for being such a cock on the Enterprise? 
catching his sleeve on door handles everywhere he goes. Oh, that, no, that's, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. That happens to me all the time when I wear my dressing gown. You've seen me. I get trapped on doors. It really throws at you. That's what I wish for him. Oh, that's rough though. His tongue always going down into his shoe. Not his actual tongue, obviously. I would like to have a piece of Lego in his boot. Oh, yeah. That he's constantly hurting himself on. But whenever he tries to change his boot or whatever to get the Lego out, he can't find the Lego. Yeah. That's nice. It's kind of like, you know, when you have an itch and you don't know where Mm. it is. I'd like that for him too. (laughs) He's just constantly scratching himself like... Most hated character so far. That uh, can't be true. Riker stood by Picard. He's like, if you're going to question Picard's command decisions, you, mm. need to, you need to speak to Picard, not to me. I've got women to go Deanna hit on. Deanna also sorts it out. Did she? I don't remember. Yeah, she kind of gives him shit. What about the Wesley thing then? There was a bit which was weird when the girl who Wesley kind of had fancy, but he's like, I'm going to be 16 soon. <laughs> so I'm assuming that means that the, the age uh. of consent is still 16 uh, with these cultures. It felt a bit weird that she obviously was older than Wesley, but then she's like, you're lucky you're cute. And it's like, yeah. I don't think she's saying that like an auntie or no. a mum. I feel like she's saying it like, I know, I would jump into bed with you under your Starfleet issue blanket. I am not sure who was more thirsty in that scene. Is it Wesley going, I'm going to be 16 soon? Or her going, hmm, hey cutie. I gotta be honest though. Come of age. <laughs> I gotta be honest, there's something quite funny about watching Thirsty Wesley. <laughs> Um, so where does this episode finish for you um it's okay can't really say much more than that about it it's just a fun disappointed for Wesley yeah he didn't get in ridiculous but why would he care when he's already working on the bridge of the flagship and flying the goddamn ship I did enjoy however the exchange between Wesley and Picard because Picard hates kids he's been really really mean to Wesley yeah which is my one criticism of Picard because, oh, little wife. And he's like, yeah, I didn't get in the first time. And I was like, say what? Oh, Jean-Luc, and look at where you've got to. Yeah. So Wesley, you're going to be fine, mate. And Wesley's like looking up to him as a father figure because I think secretly that's his daddy. Yeah, well, <laughs> so you're assuming that Beverly and Picard have already done the deed Scandal. in the past. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's so like desperate now because they know how good it is. A proper Starfleet scandal going on. I also have a question for you. Do you ever go through the edits and hear me go, hello? No. When do you do that? I do it, you know, whenever you like go out of the room to like check on the kids. No, oh, really? I always whisper something into the microphone, but <laughs> just, just to like freak you out while you're editing it. This show is brought to you by Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Sweet Media programs. Loading Sweet Preview Program 4, The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. Yeah, so we cut to night time. Harry sneaks out of the bed and starts looking up Voyager with his security codes, etc. Um, again, should be in underwear, but... Computer, show me Tom Paris. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> show me his location right now. Oh, he's 450 metres away. <laughs> hey. Oh my gosh, it was grinding. <laughs> He's like, I have to go to a hookup. Libby, I have to go to Bear. I have to, he found he found him on, on Space Star Trek Grindr. Grindr and he's like, it's Space Grinder. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4 Beyond Farpoint, a Star Trek The Next Generation podcast. And Picard's the other character trying to solve the mystery. So he leaves for that reason alone. It could be, and it could really be any character. Any one of of the main cast members could have gone with Data and been there with 
data several days later trying to solve what happened to the enterprise is it, it it's very very much a kind of a, a plot reason and nothing more i think yeah um i kind of wish data had stayed on the ship actually because i would like to have seen him regress to a pocket calculator <laughs> computer deactivate holosuite